0: God has been so, so, so good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, I just got to tell you right out of the gate this morning, I'm probably going to get emotional today, um, and I might just go a little bit longer than usual too, but uh, God's been so good, and if uh, you're, just, you're here visiting us today, I, we just want to let you know we're so glad that you're here. Um, you happen to show up on the day that we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary as a church, and, um, um, yeah, it's been 10 years, and like they say, the days go slowly, but the years go quickly, don't they? And uh, looking at this, this video, you go, man, years have gone by fast. But um, we're going to be celebrating today, and uh, after the service, we're going to have some cake. Anybody here like cake besides me? Uh, so that'll be out, outside in the Commons after we're done today, and we just want to invite you to stick around, have some cake. The coffee and the tea will still be on as well, and we'd love to have you just stick around and and hang out with us as we, uh, as we celebrate. Um, if you're a guest today, we would love to get to know you a little bit. In the back of the auditorium, there's these programs. Inside there, you're going to find all the stuff that we have going on here over the next few weeks. Um, this is a time of year where a lot of things are just kind of kicking in the gear. A lot of community is starting to start up. And so inside here, you have all the information that you need to know. Also in there is a connection card. If you have any questions about anything that happens here in our church, uh, you want to get involved, you want to be a part of what's going on, or maybe you've got a prayer request, something that you're going through, the way to do that is to just grab this connection card, fill out your information, and we will contact you. You have a prayer request. We have a team of about 25 people that get those every week, and they just go to town um, just, just um, pounding the gates of heaven, believing that God's going to answer your prayer request. So grab that and, uh, and have a look at that. Um, One thing to let you know about really quick before we dive into some stuff this morning, we are going to be sticking with one service um, through the the rest of the year as the plan at this point. And so um, I just want to explain to you really quick why that is. Um, The biggest reason that we're going to be doing that is just to kind of sustain some of the momentum that we've experienced over the last uh, five, six weeks in our church. Um, but that being said, as you can see from looking around, uh, at this point, there are, it's, it's, there's empty seats but here and there. So to do this well, we need your help. We need you to fill in the seats. We need you to move to the front when you come in um, because we still want to be a church where people come in that are guests and they, they walk in and they go, okay, there's space here for me. And so our guest services team is doing a big, great job in helping with that. But you can help too. Show up every week move to the front, take the front row seats that a lot of people want, um, squeeze in really tight with your neighbor, even if you don't know them, and that way we have um, some seating available. So um, that's going to be for the the rest of the year. All right. Um, Eleven years ago, on a hot July afternoon in 2008, I had an unplanned meeting that would literally change my life. Um, At the time of this meeting, back in 2008, there were two stories that were kind of coming together. Um, One of the stories involved a group of faith-filled people from Ferndale who had been praying uh, that God would uh, open the doors for a CTK church to launch here in in this this city. And uh, after years of praying, uh, plans were being being made, Uh, interest meetings were being held, Uh, plans were being drawn up, surveys were being compiled. Um, I actually have some of these surveys that were filled out uh, roughly 11 years ago, some were here, that different people filled out. Uh, interest meetings. Um, here I have a questionnaire that was cert- filled out by Bobby Plata. I don't know if Bobby's here this morning. Another one by Joyce Perkins, another one by uh, Kim Farmer, uh, ladies that just have been a huge part of this church since day one. Uh, here, I've got some interest meeting notes. From a meeting that was held way back in February 5th, 2008. And uh, um, one of the things that was said here actually by Pastor Grant from CTK Bellingham just captures the heart of this group of people that was praying for a church. He said, every time we have stepped out in faith, God has filled, he's filled a need. And and it was happening. People were stepping out in faith and uh, plans were coming together. I have here another sheet that, uh, where'd that thing go? On this sheet of paper, it had all the jobs that had to be done. Uh, there's a list of like 500 things on here. Not quite, but I mean, lots of stuff. Determine the budget and funding source, assemble interest in for for sample service, decide on staff positions to be hired, consult with Bellingham technology about tech needs, re- receive completed action plans, identify children's director, identify facility director, on and on and on and on and on and on, and on it went. And then beside every one of these, these action steps, there's a by whom column, and then there's a, de- a deadline column, and then there's a completed column on the, uh, the, the far uh, right-hand side there. And as you get about halfway down through this list, um, you start to see that beside a lot of these things, um, well, one, it's going to take a lot of work to get this done, but as you start to get about a third of the way down this list, uh, the, the person responsible to get the task done is the site pastor. One problem, though, there was no site pastor. And the future site pastor was living way up in northern BC where he was finishing up God's school of humility, which, on a side note, is not a very fun school to be in. And um, in July of 2008, Becky and I were halfway through what was probably the most difficult and discouraging season of our lives. Um, I was burnt out. I'd just come out of a two year uh, long gambling addiction, I was no longer doing vocational ministry. Um, I was working in a, a, a sawmill where God was breaking my pride, teaching me to trust, teaching me to see people through, through his eyes and not mine. And that summer of July 2008, uh, Becky was actually three months pregnant, and our difficult season was about to get even harder because uh, Becky ended up miscarrying. And uh, as a result, we were actually on vacation at the time. We cut the, our vacation short, um, at least the first leg of the, the vacation short, and we came down to Linden where Becky's parents live so that she could get some rest and so that that she could heal up. And on one of the mornings that we were visiting, Becky's parents, Becky's dad insisted, uh, he'd been insisting for a couple months now, he'd been insisting that I try out for this worship pastor job at a church in Bellingham. And so one morning he comes downstairs and he's all dressed up and I'm down there in my PJs kind of thing and he's like, Rich, get dressed, we're going to go right now. And uh, so we go to this church in Bellingham, uh, unannounced, We, we pop in. The meeting didn't go anywhere, so I suggested to my father-in-law, "I'm like, hey, I've heard of this church online down the road. This church called Christ the King. Why don't we stop over there and see if they've heard of any opportunities or anything like that?" And so we hopped in the car, headed over, and we walked in the foyer. We were chatting with the receptionist about opportunities, and as we were talking, Derek Archer, who was the CTK uh, pastor, who was overseeing the the, the launch of Ferndale, um. He comes walking out into the foyer, and he had just finished having a meeting with one of the council members discussing what they were going to do because the person they had lined up to be the pastor ended up actually going and being the North Bay pastor, and so they were kind of in a spot where they didn't know what to do. They were praying. Derek walks out in the foyer, and I'm standing there having a conversation with the receptionist. We had a quick chat. Uh, Derek invited me and Becky actually the next day to go out for lunch with him and his wife, and then he said, Rich, you've got to come back on Saturday night and check out a, one of our services. We came to a CTK Bellingham service on Saturday night, which happened to be a baptism service, and I'll never forget that night, because me and Becky sat there, tears streaming down our face, going, okay, we are, we've got to be a part of this church. Whether we're, we're volunteers in this church or a paid position, doesn't matter. We are going to be a part of what God is doing through CTK. And uh, we went back to our lives from that point, our, our, our northern BC lives. Meanwhile, plans for Ferndale were just, they were moving forward. And a lot of you that are here today, you remember what that was like. Just a lot of activity, a lot of action. And one year later, after that unplanned visit, I was offered this position at CTK. Um, on September 20th, CTK Ferndale had its soft launch. On September 25th, my family moved to Washington. And then on September 27th, Nearly ten years ago, to the day, um, CTK Ferndale officially launched. And what I want to do this morning is i was just kind of thinking through this and praying through this. Like, God, what do you want? What do you want me to say? What 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 does this church really need? What do they need to hear today? Um, one. This is what I was kind of feeling. I feel like what one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to look at some highlights this morning, and some of you might have your name mentioned. I'm going to call you out, but you don't have to say anything. Don't worry. But uh, uh, I want to share some highlights of some of the stuff that God has done over the years. And then I want to end with a challenge for us, us all. But before we go there, I want to read a familiar story in Scripture, which for me over the last 10 years has honestly become one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. And it's a favorite of mine because of a few reasons. Number one, it talks a lot about food. Love that about the story. <laughs> Two, it shows the heart of Jesus in, a, in an incredibly clear, practical way. And three, it shows us that no matter how little we have, how broken we are, how jacked up our lives are, God will work through us if we simply make ourselves available and say yes. I love that about this story. And the story is found in the book of Matthew chapter 15 where it says this. It says, Jesus left there and he went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Now, just pause for a second. This would have been an incredible scene to behold. Jesus, who by now has become one of the most sought-after healers, teachers in the land, he is attracting, the Bible says, great crowds of people, and as they come, It's important to see here what's going on they're not coming alone they're they're bringing others to jesus why because at some point when you find something that's really good what do you want to do you want to tell others about it it's like this with anything good in life you find a great restaurant what do you want to do you want to tell somebody you you meet that 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 girl or that guy of your dreams and what do you want to do you want to tell somebody you discover that Payless is having a half-price deal on shoes. Come on, ladies. What do you want to do? You want to tell somebody about that deal that's going down. And one of the big reasons that, that this church, CTK Ferndale, started was because a group of people wanted to make it easier for their friends and neighbors to be able to encounter and access Jesus. And, and, and this remains our heart today. We can't ever forget this as a church. We're here not just to encounter Jesus for ourselves, we're here so that we can bring others to Jesus too. This Jesus that we have, that we've been singing about this morning, is too good to keep to ourselves. He's way too good to keep to ourselves. We have to invite, invite, and bring others to him. Just really quickly, show of hands this morning, how many of you initially came to Jesus because somebody invited you, maybe a dad or a mom or a youth leader. That's a lot of you in this room this morning. Most people will not come to Jesus unless someone invites them. And my question is, why not be that person who invites? In our story here, we have people that are being invited to Jesus, and look what's happening. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Lives are being changed. Lives are being transformed. And it's been really cool this last couple of weeks. Um, actually, this last month for me has been a very introspective month. and It's been, it's been cool looking back over the, the, the last 10 years and just thinking about all the different people, all the lives that have been touched, that have been changed, that have been transformed because of the the work and the ministry of this church. Um, One of the first guys that I met um, here was this guy who kind of stood out from everybody else because, one, he was cheering for the wrong football team. And, two, everybody called him by a name that I'd never heard of before. They called him Howie. And, And I don't know if you remember Howie from way back in the day, 10 years ago. But he was a little rough around the edges, um, he'd only recently been invited to church, where he met Jesus. He was he was involved, but not too involved. Um, pretty new in his faith. But over the past ten years, it's been so cool to watch this guy just get changed. And he's been transformed. Now Howie and Kim are just doing this this incredible job of raising their kids to, to follow Jesus. Howie's leading men to become more like Christ. He's on our leadership team here at the church. He's been transformed. He's been transformed. And then there's people like, like, like Donna and Tony. I don't know if you're here this morning in this place, but, but 14, months, 14 months ago, they weren't really super close to Jesus. And then over this past year, through tragedy and through pain and through the love of people in this church family, they've met Jesus and they've been transformed. I mean, this past June, you remember Donna in the baptism tank, getting baptized. And then last summer, um, in July, Donna and Tony go on this mission trip to Mexico, and lives are being transformed. And then there's Kim Farmer. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to tell any of you. I didn't give anybody a heads up this morning, so I'm sorry. I apologize. But, but 11 years ago, I've got this card here that, that Kim filled out, and on this card, one of the places that you, you just checked out what you were interested in doing and what you're, where you would, would possibly help, and um, she put on here that she would would... Uh, pray about hosting a small group in Ferndale. Not leading, hosting a small group. Well, she ended up leading one for several years. And today, she's getting ready to shift into a whole new leadership role in our church that you'll have to wait until next Sunday to find out about. But she's, she's been transformed. And I could go on and on and on and on just looking around at the faces in this room talking about lives that have been changed, that have been transformed Um, through the work that God has been doing through you. It's been incredible. Going back to our story in the Bible, lives are being changed. Everything is going really well. And there's Jesus. He's in the middle of all these miracles happening. But then a problem begins to surface. It's a big problem. The people have no food. And the Bible says that, that in that moment, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And I love this, this incredible window that we get here into the heart of God. He cares about people. He has compassion on people. And, and imagine for a minute what this must have been like in this situation. As we're going to read about in just a second, there were 4,000 men in attendance that day. And this is actually a different time a lot of us are familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. Well, this is actually a different time. Jesus did that, that crazy miracle twice. This is the second time that he did this miracle. And, and there were about 4,000 men there. And scholars tell us that there would have been roughly 4,000 women there and anywhere from 2,000 to 10,000 children there. A conservative guess would put this at about 10,000 people that are there with Jesus. And they've been with him for three days. This is incredible desire and hunger to just be around Jesus and to encounter Jesus. And as they're with him, you know, just imagine the moment. Just think about it for, for a second. It's, it's total chaos. I mean, kids are running everywhere. There's a huge lineup to have Jesus pray for you. But none of that seems to phase Jesus one single bit. He just seems to be completely okay with the chaos. He simply loves people And and he doesn't let the chaos get in the way of people coming um, to him. we've had a lot of chaotic moments over the years, haven't we? You know, I don't know. um, Really quickly, okay, who here, who's been a part of this church for two years or less? Raise your hand. Two years or less. How about, uh, thanks, put your hands down. How about five years or less? Raise your hand. That doesn't really make any sense the way we're doing this right now, does it? (laughs) Let's do this instead. <laughs> Who's been here since the very beginning 10 years ago? Raise your hand nice and high. Awesome. That's a lot of you. Yeah. Give them... <laughs> a lot of you remember that were part of that, those early days, the chaos that was happening. I, I, so I actually wasn't here for the very first service. I showed up for the second service. And I remember coming in and there's all this just like hum and this buzz of excitement and and people running here, and people running there, and chairs being set up, and masks being thrown out, and all this kind of stuff. It was, it, was, it was organized chaos that was going on. I remember our first baptism service. You saw some pictures of it up there. And, and uh, we were trying to find a suitable baptism tank. And we're going, okay, what, what do we do here? Do we get like a kiddie pool? Do we try to find a horse trough? And nothing was really coming together. And so we're like, hey, we got some family in our church that have a big, muddy, slimy pond. That sounds like a great place to have a baptism service. And so, so the first baptism service, there was these, these slimy steps that went down into the pond, and we ended up baptizing a few people there. It was awesome, but it's chaotic. And then there was the infamous egg hunt of 2017, <laughs> where we were expecting three to four hundred people to show up at this thing and uh, for a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt, and it ended up being about 2,000 people. And I knew it was, it was uh, bad when I saw the sea of people outside a Pioneer Pavilion. And uh, normally in church, real crowds are a good thing. But, but um, uh, when you only have 5,000 eggs for 2,000 people, and they're going to have to wait in line for anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half, no kid's going to be super stoked when he gets only four eggs from standing in line for an hour and a half. I knew it was really bad when we had just let our first batch of kids into Pioneer Pavilion that was dark, that had some stuff lit up, you saw a picture of it there. And all these kids are running around and a panicked mom comes up to me and she's like, I don't know where my kid is. And I'm going, they did not teach me in Bible college what to do at a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt when a kid goes missing. It was chaos, chaos. There have been some pretty chaotic moments. And here's Jesus, he finds himself right right in the middle of one here. If you have 10,000 people, think about this for a second, you have 10,000 people who have been with you for three days, approximately 2,000 of them are kids, and you run out of food, you have a major crisis on your hands. I have five kids. When we run out of snacks for the afternoon, it's total meltdown in my home, okay? Jesus doesn't just have five kids in meltdown mode, but he has somewhere around 2,000 Bless their parents, and they're all so hungry that Jesus says, hey, we can't send them away or they'll collapse on the way home. I don't know if you've ever been so hungry that you feel like you're going to collapse. That's pretty hungry. And Jesus is going, that's where these people are right now. And, and, and here's Jesus, he, who's the good shepherd though. He loves people. He cares for for people. He wants to do something about the situation. He wants to meet the people at their point of need. Not just their spiritual need, but their physical need. And so he calls his disciples to them and he says, boys, these people are hungry. He presents the problem but not the solution. And I don't know how it works for you, but whenever I'm presented with the problem and not the solution, it's because the one presenting the problem to me is expecting me to fix it. It goes like this, dad, the bathtub won't drain, which really means, dad, do your plumber thing and get down in there and get all that slime and that gunk and that hair out of the drain. Rich, the van, is making a funny noise, which means, honey, dear, can you spend your day off being my personal mechanic and fixing whatever the problem is? (laughs) Jesus comes here and he tells the disciples, these people have no food. He presents the disciples with a problem but not the solution. And what he's basically doing to his disciples here is he's saying, hey, do something about this problem. And what do they do? Well, since they have such great faith, they're such great leaders, men of God, believers in the impossible, on-the-ball individuals, they immediately spring into action and get the job done. No, that's not quite how it goes. The disciples are, are actually a whole lot more human than that. And the Bible says, his disciples answered, where could we get enough food or enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? There's a problem he's fixing, and what do the disciples offer? Excuses. They offer reasons why, why this is a bad idea, all the reasons why they can't help with this particular situation. They are overwhelmed by the size of the job Jesus is asking them to, to solve, and they feel like there's nothing they can do to help. Have you ever been in that spot before? You ever been there? You know, where Jesus asks you to do something, he presents something to you, and you go, ah, I, it's, it's overwhelming. I've been there many times, you know, those, those two weeks just before I started with CTK, I was a mess. I mean, you talk about being anxious and being tied up in knots and afraid, knowing that I was way, way over my head, completely overwhelmed. I've been there before. In fact, if I can just be honest this morning, I was just here last week. I mean, you know, the vision that God's given us is to be a movement that is about taking the hope of Jesus to, 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 to not just our city, but to our nation and to wherever God leads us. The vision is that we would be a church that's fully equipped to serve one another, to make disciples who make disciples. And as I thought about where we're at and how far we still have to go, once again, I, I just felt this crushing weight of being overwhelmed, not just with the size of the job, but even overwhelmed with discouragement. It's amazing how when you have something to celebrate, how the enemy can come along and take that and make it discouraging. And I found myself in this place of just kind of feeling discouraged. And, and um, you know this. Church has, I mean, it, it runs the full gamut, doesn't it? I mean, it goes from like these very rewarding times where you're seeing God move and you're seeing lives transform before your eyes to like the total opposite where, where it's just hard. I mean, church is hard. Can I just say that this morning? Church is hard. There is nothing, I mean, I, I wouldn't change a single thing and and, and I will spend the rest of my days here on this earth a part of a church family. But I'm just going to say it. Church, church is hard. And it's hard because church is life. And life is hard. You expect it to be easy. You're in for a surprise. It's, it's hard. And it is, it's so easy to get overwhelmed by it all. And then Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I have a job for you to do. And in that spot, it's easy to go, Jesus, there has to be another way. Why me? Why not somebody else? Jesus, surely there's somebody out there who's more qualified than me. Surely there's somebody out there who's, 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 who's got more faith than me. Surely there's got to be somebody out there who's just got their stuff together more than I have. There's got to be a better leader, someone who's just more on the ball, somebody who's smarter. And when we go there, which all of us do from time to time, Jesus' answer to us, it's, it's, it's usually the same. And it's similar to what what he said to the disciples who were overwhelmed. I'm such a bad talker and crier. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's similar to what he said to the disciples who were overwhelmed with the situation and who made these excuses about why why it couldn't be done. Rather than Jesus in that moment, I love what he doesn't do here. Rather than Jesus in this moment throwing his hands up in the air and just dismissing the disciples, rather than rebuke them, rather than give up on them, he simply asks a question. He says, hey, how many, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? He looks at them and basically says, I'm not asking you about the size of the job. I'm not asking you about what you don't have. I'm simply asking you about what you do have. To which they say, seven and a few small fish. In other words, Jesus, check it out. We don't have very much. Jesus, well, we have isn't enough to do the job that you're asking us to do. Jesus, in order to do what you're asking us to do, it's going to take a miracle to what Jesus says, all right, then you're starting to catch on. Here's all I need from you. Just bring me what you have. and Instead of focusing on what you can't do, simply believe in what I can do and just stand back and watch. And the Bible says... The Bible says that, that, that next, Jesus told the crowd, the 10,000 or so people, to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he gave given thanks, he broke them, gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all, 10,000 or so people, ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. As we celebrate Take years today, we look back, and we see that there have been so many. I told you to get emotional. <laughs> We've seen God do some crazy things, some, some amazing, amazing miracles. So many lives have just been transformed, lives that have just been, I mean, changed for all of eternity. But I just want to be really clear today, it's, it's not because there's anything special about us. It, it's not because... We're the best and, and the brightest. It, it, um, it's not because we've got this amazing strategy and game plan all figured out and we're just executing it so well. No, one of the things that I will always love about the people of CTK is that there's this common understanding that we're just a bunch of ordinary people. Jars of clay scripture would say, we're broken in so many ways. We mess up. We fail. We fail. But we believe that with God's power, anything is possible. We believe that when we just step out in faith, when we say yes, that Jesus will take the little that we have and he will do something supernatural through him. He will do more, more than we could ever ask. More than we could ever ask or imagine. Not according to to our power, scripture says, but according to his great power that is at work Within us, and as we wrap up this morning, I just want to leave you with three points from this story that we just read about the, the seven loaves and three fish. I'll leave you with these three points this morning. The first one is simply this: We're not done yet. We're not done yet. In this story, Jesus, he he's he's done some awesome things. I mean, he's healed people the the, the mute or how they can hear and and uh, crippled are able to walk. He's done some crazy things. Hundreds of lives in this story have been changed. People might have been tempted to think in that moment that he was getting ready to wrap things up, only he was just getting started. He still had his greatest miracle tucked up his sleeve. And, and my encouragement and exhortation to you this morning is don't throw the towel in now, don't become weary in doing good, the Bible says. His next great miracle might be just around the corner. It might be just around the corner. There's still work to be done. There are still men, women, students, boys, and girls in in this community that are bound up by the enemy. There are marriages that are falling apart. There are thousands of people right here in our city who still have not discovered the joy of salvation. They, They don't know Jesus, and that's just right here in our backyard. That says nothing of the 2 billion people on the planet who have not even heard the gospel message yet. There is work to be done. In that 10 years, you might feel like this is it. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe, maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're looking around and you're going, I, I, don't, I just don't know. I think it's done. I don't know where you're at. You might feel like it's over, but it's not. It never is with God. He is a God who's a God of movement. He is constantly, constantly on the move, constantly drawing people to himself, constantly healing, constantly setting people free, constantly transforming people. And with God, the question is never is he finished. The question is, are we going to keep moving with him or not? That's the question. God is not done. God's not done, which means we're not done. Just getting started. Second thing that we see from this story is that, that God has given you things to give away. The disciples, they didn't have much. Seven loaves of bread and three fish. But that little bit that they had was enough. It was enough. And that there's something about you that you can give away for someone else's good. It doesn't have to be much. It just has to be made available. That's it. It just has to be made available. It just has to be surrendered to God. Because here's the thing. When you put it in God's hands, when you release it to him, when you invest that thing in the kingdom of God, he has this miraculous way of taking the little that you have and multiplying it, of using it to bless others over and over and over again. He takes the little you have and he does something supernatural through it. You know, it could be a a gift that he's given you. It could be a talent. Maybe you're great at encouraging people. Maybe you've got some skills on the guitar. Maybe you're good with kids. Maybe you're a good listener, a leader, or it could be some financial resources that he's given you. You take it and you release it to God. You live generously believing that he can do the miraculous through it. And over the years, man, I've just been so blessed. I've been, it's, it's, it's humbling. and it's such a great honor to be able to have a front row seat to how so many of you have taken what God's given you, and you have held it like this. You've taken the little, the the seven loaves and the few fish, and you've said, Jesus, I'm going to make this available to you to do whatever you want with. I think of people like uh, John Garner and Johnny Signs. And uh, you saw how this building was before uh, the remodel. And here's these guys who are like, hey, we can swing a hammer. We know our way around some tools. And they come in here, and they just, they, 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 they go to town along with a bunch of you. Um, people like Augie and Moe, um, who for two years now have taken this love they have for mission, um, their love for Mexico, their gift of leadership, and they, they've been leading these teams on short-term mission trips, and people have been changed. Lives have been transformed. There's, there's all of our kids' team, people like Kim and, and Julie and, and Joel and Denise and Donna and Marty and so, a host of others who have a heart for kids, and they've, they've taken what they have, this ability to sit down in a room and just show kids some love and care, they've invested that in the kingdom and lives have been changed and transformed it was so cool on this video I don't know if you caught it or not but here's these these kids have been a part of this church family from the time that they were toddlers um, some of them from the time they were in the womb and and here they are as they've they've been a part of this church family and as you have invested in them and given your time over and over and over again the video wraps up with some of them actually over there in kids rock now they flipped around and they're helping serve others Because of this investment. Don't ever think that your investment has gone to waste. No, God takes it. He takes the little that you have. And when you approach God and you say, God, I'm going to surrender it to you. I'm not going to look at the little I have and what I can't do. But I'm going to look at what you can do through the little that I have. God, God does something miraculous through that. He does something miraculous through it. Never underestimate who you are. Never underestimate the impact you can have on another person's life when you live life surrendered to Jesus and full of faith in his power to do the impossible through you. Never do that. And maybe this morning you're thinking, okay, but, but I don't have very much to offer. And this last point this morning is simply this. You have more than you think. You have more than you think. Uh, Rich, I, I I don't have, I don't have a whole heck of a lot. Which my life is broken uh, my life is just in shambles I've come from this background I, I look around at other people and it seems like everybody else has a whole lot to offer and, and, and here's just me I don't, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot you have more than you think you have more than you think and the reason that you have more than you think is because of, of the God that we serve you know, seven loaves and a few fish it's not a whole lot but, but they had more than they knew. And, and you might not think you have much to offer, but you have more than you think. And Jesus is asking you. He's, he's not asking you to look at the little you have. He's asking you to look at Him. And who He is. And how He's capable of taking what you have and, and doing something miraculous through it. When you invest that little, God does incredible things. We're not done yet. Amen? We're not done yet. We're just getting started. It's only been 10 years, we're just getting going, and, and, and you have more than you think, you have more than you think, and, and God has given you things to, to give away, and as we as we begin to kind of like move into this next season, you know, God is up to stuff in the life of this church, He's up to stuff, you don't believe me, just look around, God is moving, I got to be in here yesterday morning as a group of men came together and just hungry for Jesus, and Hungry to, to know him more and get in community with other guys. I mean, some of the stuff that's happening in our student ministry, in our kids' ministry. See, I mean, God is on the move. God is on the move. And what he's asking of you and me today is are we going to move with him? Are we going to take what we have and say, Jesus, I, just, I surrender that to you. I give it to you. Lord, work through what I have, however you want, for your kingdom, for your glory. Are we going to move with him?